Tonight, we are here um, because God has given us grace to be here. And as a common practice for all of us as Christians and as individuals, it's customary for us to go into, to do our studies. Um, you know, you read your Bibles, you get spirit of, you get inspiration, and you, you do studies, you take notes, um, you have revelations and all that. And that's basically what I've done so many years. But in the last two years, thereabouts, that kind of study for me has been limited to about maybe 20% of my study time. The 80% of my study time has been going back home, trying to um, do a deeper studies on what we have been taught here, both during weekend services, I mean, Saturday, Sunday, and on Wednesday. And the reason I do that is that by the grace of God, through the auction of the Holy Spirit and the understanding of heaven, pastor comes here and makes a lot of proclamation a lot of which are very, you know, it sets you free, gives you a lot of encouragement, it gives you insight. But along, what comes with that is a lot of responsibilities. So most times, while I've taken in the, the revelation, declaration, and I've claimed all the blessings, I go back and I sit down and I think through what are the responsibilities that are associated with those revelations. And tonight, what is brought up our study is one of those revelations, I mean, two out of those many, many um, declarations from pastor. Tonight we have what we call light on a journey. And what that simply says is that you and I, each and every one of us is the light and we are on a journey. And we need to understand what it means to be a light and what it means to be on a journey. So without um, going, just going to our studies, I need a lot of interaction tonight. Um, it's going to be very interactive. So, I need one or two people to tell me, without looking through their phones, what is the vision of GFH, GFH vision. I need somebody to pick up the mic. Don't look through your phone. Don't go to the website and tell me GFH vision. Do we have the mics? Yes. Anybody? Pastor is watching, though, so if none of us knows it, that's going to be... I won't say it's trouble, but we have attendance, so we know that. Anybody? So, oh, go ahead, Ma. Yes, go ahead. We can't hear you. Praise God. Hallelujah. To be filled with the life of Christ Jesus, taking the world, releasing to our destinies and taking the world for him. Please, a round of applause for Jesus, for her. That's correct. Please, can we pull it up? Do we have the slides? So right there we have, we're going to be filled with the light of Jesus Christ. Christ itself is light, and we are told that we're light of the world. So that's the light part. And we're going to be released into our destiny, meaning that we're here on earth, and we're going to fulfill our purpose for God. But we're going to take the world for Lord Jesus Christ, and we're taking the world somewhere. We're on a journey, and we're going to take the world with us. Light is... I mean, if you look at dictionaries, I look at the website, light is the natural agent that stimulates science and makes things visible and can be expressed as in so many ways. So in your own words, I just need two or three people. What do you understand? Oh, you put up my slide already. Can you take it away? What do you understand light to mean? Just in your own words. If they talk about light, when you hear of light, what comes to mind? Two people, quickly. Anyone? Like when you hear the word light, what, what, what do you understand that to be? I'm going to call my friends now. All right, man, somebody here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brightness. Brightness. That was on my slide. I hope you didn't see it, sister. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anybody else? Brightness. So when there's light, there's brightness. If we take away this light, this place is going to go into what? Into darkness. Anybody else? Just one more. There's so many, so many things that, you know, light denotes. We don't know or we're shy. All right. Somebody at the back. 
or in front, sorry. Understanding. Understanding, thank you. All right, put up my slide, please. So light means so many things, but most all the things that light means to us is positive. For me, lack of restrictions. That means light cannot be kept, cannot be restricted. That's a, that's a big one for me, but it means a lot of things. Brightness, radiation, shining, glowing, you know, illumination. So that is what light means. And in one of the, in one of the um, when we're studying the Ephesians, I'm sure I must have read that place, but I never, Ephesians, I've never really paid attention or understood it the way when pastors, you know, brought it out, when he says, ye were darkness, but now ye are light. Not that we're light of the world, but we are the, the, the real light. The one that, I, I mean, that we've all read is saying that we're light of the world. So that means you and I, we're light. When I, when I thought through that as part of my follow-up studies, that's a big responsibility. It's a massive responsibility to fulfill, to live up to that um, assertion. And for Lord Jesus Christ to call us light, and for Paul to say that, means we are light. And as light, what is expected of us? So I'd like to ask the question, um, okay, the other part of, the, of it is journey. So when we say journey, you know, when you hear the word journey, what, what do we understand journey to mean? Just one person or two. If you say journey, what comes to your mind? Anybody else? Anybody? Are you, are you, please put up your hand so that they can see you. All right, go ahead. Somebody there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Traveling. Happy. Traveling. Traveling. Yeah. So you're moving from one place to the other. There's another lady here, please. Sister Mayoko is here. Please raise up your hand. That's why they're not seeing you. Thank you. It's similar. It's going somewhere. Going somewhere. Yeah. So when you're on a journey, you have changed location. Please pull up my slide. You have moved from one place to the other. Journey means travel from one place to the other. Simple definition. So if we're called light and we're on a journey, that means we have moved from one place to the other and then to function as light. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Can we read um, the first two Bible passages? Mighty 5, 14 to 16. And then the Ephesians 5 to 8. Please put them up. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And put up the Ephesians, please. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You know, when we did that study, that Ephesians study, and I saw this, I mean, he, 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 I mean, my, my understand, I mean, it gave me a lot of things to go study, to go think about that I am light. So therefore, I have to eliminate every form of darkness. Big responsibility. But God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to start from a short story. What I call, it's not me, um, scholars call that story um, Crisis of the Third Century. Can you pull up the title, please? Crisis of the Third Century. Um, and it's between an emperor called Claudius, they call it Claudius II, and a pesky priest. Now, before I read some of the journals and then led me to the story and another book and all that, I had never heard the word pesky before. I'd never, I didn't know what it meant. So I check pesky. Pesky means irritable. You know, um, ir um, you know somebody who, who, who gets irritated, somebody who's who is strong, who can be, you know, who is, who is upset. So that's the way the, um, the, the scholars describe the priest. Let, let's just call him pesky priest, and we'll get to know about his name later. Um, during, the third century, during the third century, which was about 1,700 years ago, um, this emperor, Claudius II, decided, I mean, the, the Roman Empire was going through a lot of issues, a lot of stress, and they were almost being divided into three. And there were a lot of wars, I mean, between themselves and from outside. And this emperor decided that, okay, because he had to go fight war and he needed a lot of people, he decided that all the young men in the city, that the young men cannot get married anymore. No more marriages. Because he felt that when people are married, when they go to war, their mind, their mind are not there. They don't fight well. They are thinking about going home. And some don't even want to go because they are married. So he decided... No more marriages. This priest 
who was uh, a Roman Catholic priest, was really upset. And he didn't agree with him. So he kept on conducting marriages in secret. He defiled the, the, um, the, the emperor, Claudius, and he kept on conducting uh, marriages. Of course, he got hot, and Claudius put him in prison. And when Claudius put him in prison, he refused to, to, to change. In fact, some of the scholars wrote that he, he actually preached to Claudius that Claudius needs to go the way of the Lord, that being married is a God declaration, and Claudius must not work against that. But the man, the man didn't, you know, he, he didn't. Um, eventually, Claudius killed him. He was killed. Now, so additional other stories, and a story that's been 1,700 years old, you know, you know, a lot of things have changed. Some scholars have it that this same priest married the daughter of one of the wardens in the prison who was blind. But she comes and goes, and that, you know, she fell in love with her, but married her, but nothing between them before, you know, before they killed him. And two centuries later, the Pope declared the day that Claudius, I think Claudius was killed, or the day he made a proposal, I can't remember one of those two, to, um, as a day for the priest. And the name of that priest is Valentino. That's how Valentine Day come into place. So, and I would like to say this, as a church, and what I'm saying is not for my own accord, I've had discussion with pastor in the past about it, while we don't celebrate Valentine, we have nothing against Valentine, provided he celebrates in accordance with God's word where marriage is undefiled until, you know what that means, between a man and a woman. So bottom line, now this priest was, is Valentine. Now history has it that there are probably like three Valentinos, but one of them was the one that stood, decided that I'm going to be a light for God, I'm going to stand against injustice, against humanity, saying people should not marry when God had declared that people should marry. So that's where we started tonight. So Claudius, so I mean, pesky priest, that is, is Valentine, that's how Valentine Day come in, came into place. 1700 years afterwards, Valentine is being celebrated, although a lot of people have forgotten the origin of what it, it stands for. Now they're doing all kinds of things with it. But bottom line was that Valentine, Valentino, I mean they call them, decided at that time that I'm going to stand for God. That's the expectation. That is the, that's the responsibility that we have as light. That when there's any form of darkness that comes around, we as a people need to stand up, irrespective of whatever is at stake. Having said that, we're going to be looking at um, what are the characteristics and function of light. I mean, we could stay here for another two hours and we won't get finished if we, if we continue to talk about um, the characteristics of light and what it takes and all that. The other thing that, you know, that, that, that caught to me during my study was that God is omnipotent, unbelievable. God can do anything. We can't understand his ability. That's the way, I mean, that's what it is. But one thing, God created the earth, right? That's Genesis. We all have read that over and over again, right? But when God created the earth, what was the next thing that God created? Does anybody know? Light. And what did God say? And it was what? Good. So God called light what? Good. God could have walked in darkness if he wanted to. He could have. Right? Because he himself is light. But he created light. So after the earth is created, the first thing that God created is light. And here we are, we're being likened to that light. Huge responsibility, isn't it? And also, I mean, while it's a huge responsibility, but it comes with a lot of, with a lot of, with, with a lot of joy because you know that no darkness should be able to come near you if you are light. That's what that simply means. I just said, I, I mean, I, I'll bring that out. So going into our studies, what are the characteristics, of, characteristics and function of light? As I said, there's so many of them. But we're just going to look at a few, and they're not, I mean, they're not, they're not exhaustive. But we're going to look at a few and look at what the come to you. The first thing that we need to understand is that every light, every source, every light has a source. Every light has a source that is providing that light. Every, every, anywhere you have a light, there's a source. Now, scientists will make you understand that the, the sunlight, the light coming from the sun is from effusions of particles and all that. They put all that together. I mean, where they can say all they want. Who made the particles? Who put the efficient together? It's Almighty God. Therefore, for me, the source of sunlight 
power comes from the Almighty God. And there should not be discussion around that. So every light has a source. So if we were declared as lights, that ye are light, where is our source? I need help. Where is our source? Anybody? Where is our source? Anybody want to try? All right, go ahead. Source is from God. Our source is the Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That's our source. So if we are light, that's our source. Um, we need to read two passages Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through him who does what? He gives us strength. So if I'm light, all the expectation that I'm supposed that is expected of me will come from the almighty God, will come from the above. So I should not be fearful of that responsibility that I have because I have a source that will provide me the strength that will make me to be able to do all that is expected as a light. The other one I want to read is um, John 3, verse 27. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it's given to him from the above. The Bible, I mean, the other version says, Nothing is given to a man except it's given to him from the above. So all that we need, all that we, all that we have to do, all, that, all the strength, all the energy that we need to be a source of light, to be a light to the world, can only come from heaven. And in my notes, I have that. Without the continuation, connection, to heaven, we can't fulfill our destiny. Our destiny is that we're light. We're supposed to provide light. We're going to get to what we're supposed to do as light. But for us to be able to have the source and the energy that we need to do that, we need to be continuously connected to heaven. And I mean, as I said in the beginning, thank God for where we are. We're taught on, on a regular basis on how to have personal relationship with God. Another thing that came, comes to mind is light at any point in time, eliminate darkness. Once there's darkness anywhere, once there's shadow anywhere, light comes in and eliminates that darkness totally. Totally. Light eliminates darkness. John 8, 12. When Jesus, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we have the light of life. So as long as we're attached to that light, we're attached to heaven, we will continue to have that light in our life. That's what the Bible is saying. The other one we want to read is um, John 1, 5. And the light shones in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. Meaning that any form of darkness that is around, because of the source and the capability that we have from heaven, it cannot overshadow, it cannot take us over. We have, we have the power of the almighty God in us. So we're supposed to be light. We're going to get to additional functions of light. So the third thing that comes to mind, this, this reminds me of something. Where, uh, sometimes last year, a member of this church got into a, I mean, a, some, some kind of, you know, little trouble. And, the, the, and this individual was in a lonely place. But because GFH we have in us, and we have a leader who understands that he is light. Pastor stood in the gap for this guy, not only spiritually, but even in the physical things of life. To the extent that the powers that be, every time they try to provide darkness around what is going on, he shone light by doing the things that would make them, to, I mean, to come into the open. And that's the only way that individual was delivered. He kept on, he kept on his like showing light, trying to put the truth across into the, into the, into the situation. And that's what saved that, that individual. That is what is expected of us as, as, as light. The next thing I want to talk about is that light eliminates fear, provides hope and comfort for all. There's no discrimination. When you put on a light, not that some darkness will remain. It's a total, total, total elimination of darkness. And fear, will go, fear goes away. You know, recently I lost my uncle, who happened, I mean, long story and all that, 81 years old, and um, had a second wife, and my, the, 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 the children of the first wife, I'm a fantastic man and all that, I mean, had his own issues. But these people, I mean, these my cousins are Christian, to the extent that you can call them Christian. In fact, the one of them that you think that 
um, he's a Christian, but he's not very strong. He's the one that is acting as a Christian. Because what happened is that the man is late. All his kids from his first wife, uh, first wife is late. All the kids from first wife are fantastic, well-to-do. They're doing well. The second wife, obviously, is struggling. Um, his kids are younger and all that. And, and I, I, I made a proposal that, okay, you had, you had given stipend to your dad before he died, which he was sharing with this woman. Can you continue to give this stipend, I mean, just to give something? And every one of them, you can say rightly so, felt that, no, I'm not going to do that. It's a business. If you like, she goes hungry. But really, what does the Bible say about looking after our enemies? You know, a lot of them felt, they felt that, well, the, the woman didn't do us well, you know, at, at, at their prime and at her prime, that he didn't trust well. But that has gone. Really, if we're going to be light, we're going to leave that behind. We're going to shine darkness away. Because when, when somebody cannot afford to feed himself or herself, and we have the ability to do that, we should, irrespective of what that person has done, we should be able to show that light. And one person, only one of them, who happens to be, you can say, a, a moderate Christian, does try to do the right thing, but, you know, he's not going to go that too far, is the only one that says, well, if you guys are not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And for me, that's being a light. Irrespective of, I mean, you know, light, when light shines, it, it doesn't, there's no favorism. It's for everybody. It goes across everyone. And, you know, as, as we speak, we're still talking about that. Whatever it takes, we should, we should uh, I mean, they should, they should do something. Um, and my, so can we read um, Matthew 5, four, Matthew 5, 4, I think. My next Bible verse. Okay, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That is how to be a light. Because when we try to do, the Bible says vengeance is mine. When we try to do things ourselves, trying to take advantage of, I'll be trying to take law into our own hands, then we're not being light anymore. When, that means our light wants to shine in some path and leave darkness in some path. So as light, we have no business by being discriminatory. Light, as light of the world, we must eliminate darkness without discrimination. We eliminate darkness, next slide please, we eliminate darkness without discrimination. As light of the world. There's something I use as a prayer point, because the Bible taught, uh, um, pastor taught us that we should always remember what God has done in the past. And I use this as a prayer point. Um, I, not that I, I use it as a prayer point because I always tell God that, Father, that kind of heart that, you, that I had, please, let, let, let it improve and continue. And I struggle with it a lot. I was 10 years old when my dad passed on. And the kind of house we're living in is like a BQ was attached to the house from the back. But not the BQ that you have to go around. You go through the house and it goes into it. And I had an auntie who was living at the back of the house with her grandchildren. My dad had passed on. And this, my auntie and my mom, never see eye to... Well, most times, not all the time, never see eye to eye. For obvious reasons, we had a lot of issues after my father died. But, so when things are well between them, my mom helps out with feeding her and feeding her kids. But when they get into, you know, they were, I mean, when they are upset at each other and they scream and yell at each other, then my mom just goes her own way. So when she goes, whenever she, when she, whenever, whenever she, she wasn't home, I'll go into the kitchen... And practically, you can call it stealing. I'll steal rice from the bag, and I'll steal beans, and I'll steal gari, and I'll go and give those people. Because I could see that they were hungry. You know, I'll take soup from the pot, and I'll go and give them. And occasionally, she has caught me, and she'll say, well, I know what you're doing with it. You're giving those people. I say yes. But she never, ne she never, you know, she never beat me or, you know, or, or, I mean, she didn't do anything to me for doing it. And that encouraged me to do it. But I'm asking myself as adults, if I'm an adult and somebody is fighting with my wife and I see the person going hungry, will I be, will I be bold enough to go feed that person? That's the question I ask myself. And that's why I, I, I go back to that story. Every time it, it comes to my mind, I use that as a prayer point. But that's why the Bible says for you to be, for you to, 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 to follow God, you have to be like a child. I was a child and I couldn't stand those people going hungry. That irrespective that you're fighting with our mom, it's none of my business. But for that, you, couldn't have, you didn't have food to eat. 
I'll give you, I, I mean, I'll steal, I'll steal, I'm practically stealing, I was taking it without her knowledge. But as I said, she caught me a couple of times, and I said, yes, I gave to them, and she didn't say anything. I said, okay, that gave me courage that if you are not in good terms with them, I'll take it again, you know, and that went on, you know, for, for as long as, as, as it went on. So that is what is expected of us as life. But as adults, are we going to be able to do that? I mean, that's, that's the responsibility we have as, as life. No discrimination under no circumstances. We're supposed to do good at all times because light shines to everybody at all times. Next thing we're looking at is the closer to a light, the brighter it becomes. If you go outside the premises now, you'll see this light from far. But the closer you are getting to it, the brighter it becomes. The closer you are getting to it, the brighter it becomes. Now, we're good Christians, I mean, most times in church. But if you really want to test the level of our Christianity and measure our Christianity, the first thing we need to do as a people is we'll take a survey from our mates. Take, take a blind survey from our mates. One of, the past, one of the ministers and I were having a discussion and we said, well, we should just gather all the mates, at least for the, for the ministers and pastors, and we give them survey, anonymous survey. Then we find the average. How do we treat those people? I mean, the way we treat people in church, I mean, you, you have a choice, you'll be nice in church and all that, but outside the church, your closest allies, your workers, both at home and at work, the people that report to you, how do you treat them? A lot of us are business owners. You know, fantastic time we had on Saturday from Mr. Poki teaching us on leadership of tenant leadership of at home and at work. And you find out that a lot of business leaders, including Christians, they are like tyrants when they own a business. Their staffs are like servants or slaves. But he, made, he, he, he said something. He said you should be the best employee of your own company, meaning that you should measure yourself with the same level that you measure your staff. So if we're really light and want to be able to light, the closest people to us should feel our brightness more than the people that are far away. Can we read um, Proverbs 3, 20, 27? No, sorry. Galatians 6, 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. He's talking about people in church, people that are close to us, and both in church and at home and our closest alley. We should, our light should radiate and it should be brighter to the people, should, should be at its brightest point to the people that are closest to us. Anything short of that goes back to the story of charity begins at home. You know, the closer we are to a light, the brighter it becomes. The testimony of our, of the testimony, the testimonies of our closest community measures the standard of our Christianity. The testimonies of our closest communities measures the true standard of our Christianity. If we call ourselves Christians, how do those people, how do we relate to them? Do we show them that we're light of the world, that we're like Jesus Christ? That's what it takes. Simple principle. You're close to a light, it becomes extremely bright. Next one. Light is quick to act. You know, if you put up the light now, this room goes into darkness. But when you switch it on, it comes alive immediately. So light does not wait for, I mean, it's very quick to act. Now scientists, they've done a lot of great work. There's no doubt about that. You know, we give them kudos. But so far today, so far, because that's what they will claim, that the fastest thing on earth is light. But so far today, the fastest thing that they have been able to measure, that's where I will put it. I won't say the fastest thing on earth is light. But so far, the fastest thing that they have been able to measure is light. And I put, I put it on my slide. Um, I put it on my slide. The speed of light is unbelievable. Please put it up. That's 670,669,629 miles per hour. I'll give that to you in perspective. Your cars travel at 100 kilometers per hour. That's about 70 miles an hour. That's the speed of your car. Aeroplane that goes from here to United States, direct flight, 14 hours. Um, the fastest commercial airline that they used to use was Concorde. You know, it travels faster than the speed of sound, which is 340 meters per second. 
So you can say um, that's 3.4 meters per second. I mean, 340 meters per second. So that's speed of sound. So light, so what, what scientists have to say is that if you can travel at speed of light, they claim that you will live forever. But they're saying that if you can travel at the speed of light, you will go around the earth 7.5 times in one second. In one second, you go around the earth. That's how quickly the light acts. So there's, our expectation is that if there's a darkness anywhere, we need to act quickly. And that's what Valentino of that time, that's what he did. He didn't like what he was seeing, that one man was going against the will of God for people, and he acted. He acted immediately. So as light, we need to be very, very quick. Light is like humility, while darkness is like pride. Now, why did I say that? I'm sure you, you all have been in places where you have thunderstorm and all that. The light in thunderstorm does not make noise. It's the sound that gives you the, the, the noise. And it's the light that comes first, that shows you around before the, the, um, before the sound of scariness comes. Light does its things with gentility, with no arrogance, and does it for everyone. That's why if you are a light, there should be a lot of humility in us. Why pride? I mean, darkness is pride. The, 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 the Satan of old, very proud. Very, very proud. And that's what darkness is about. So, and finally, on one of, I mean, there are so many functions of light and darkness. So, one other thing that we talk about is light remains forever as long as it stays connected to the source. Now, questions people are going to ask is that we're on a journey, we're going to do our part, we're going to, we're going to live. But the Bible is very clear. The Bible says, teach a child in the way it should go, and it will not depart from it. Now, um, please, can we put that up? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, let's look at it very well. Train up a child. He didn't say train your own child. He didn't say I should train my own child. A child. If we were house fellowship leaders, the people around us in our house fellowship are children. If you are HOD in church, the people that serve with us are our children. If you train them up and it goes up and up like that, the connection of being light to the world continues forever. It's passing from one generation to the other. Simple. So the light can remain forever as long as we remain connected to the source. And the way to remain connected to the source is passing it from one generation to the other. The question we're going to ask ourselves is, if you look at the world of today, there's so much darkness permeating around. It is a situation where you take away the name of Jesus from schools, but two people of the same sex can be together. That's total darkness taking over the earth. While we might not be able to do anything about it so much so because it's probably a sign of end time, Christ is coming, but we must never be a part to that darkness in one form, shape, anywhere. We must never be a part to that darkness. That is the responsibility we have. The world is, the world is, the world is upside down. Darkness is permitting truth. But we, as children of God and as light of this world, must not be a partaker of that light. Praise the Lord. So, in um, what we're going to look at next is as a people, as human beings, now we're going to be practical. How do, we, how do we come in contact with our world? What are the practical ways that we come in contact with our world? By the grace of God, through the opportunity of what I do, um, more often than not, at least once or sometimes twice a year, I get into be a leadership seminar and for the kind of people, um, my kind of um, contemporaries around the world, and they choose, they choose somebody, they will just choose a, 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 um, a, a leadership book or some kind of person and then we'll study the individual and we'll study some of the work the person has done and all that. And in some, one of those studies in the past 10 years, one of the person that came to mind, please, um, you can put up that slide, is um, Carnegie, is Dale Carnegie. And this man was born in 1888 and um, he died in 1955. But up to today, 
is, is the, there are about 90 institutes around the world, Ninety institutes around the world, about 450,000 people goes through the training that this man put down, you know, in, and he died in 1955. If you look at the modern history, uh, between 1800 and late 1800 and 1900, and 1900 which is um, 20th and 21st century, 19th and 21st century, he was about one of the first that would be a public speaker. At that time, in 1995, his first public speaking, he, 1915, his first public speaking, he made about $500 a week, which was about today's money, converted directly in US dollars, about $12,000 a week. And the reason I got fascinated with the guy is that a lot of things that he said, and don't forget, he died in 1955. History didn't show that he's a Christian. You can go online and Google his name, and he has a lot of books. But most of the things that the man wrote at that time, Every time I read them, it actually almost translates to the Bible. And that's, that's really fascinated me. So I go and read more and more about him. One of the things he said was that he said that it's not what you have or what you make or the people you know or the people around you that makes you happy or happy. But it's what you think about those things. That it's not what you have, what you make or what you, people you know that make you unhappy. But it's your thoughts about them. And the Bible says... As a man, I mean, as a man thinking, so he is. So because of that, I mean, I've done a lot of studies, and one of the things he said, he said, well, he said, there are four ways in which we come in contact with the world, and we are evaluated and classified by those four ways. According to him, there probably could be more, but I mean, I, I enjoyed the study, and I'm going to share that with you. So those four ways, and I look at them, they are also there are ways. I mean, we've been taught them in the Bible. So as life of the world, there are going to be four ways that we're going to be interacting with people on a daily basis. And those four ways, we need to put on our Christian heart as a light when we deal with people. The first one he said, he said, what we do, you know, our actions. What we do or, or what we don't do, our inactions. I just, I mean, I just paraphrase them. Long, I mean, in the books and the journals. written. But really, if you look at it, what you do when you are in the midst of people, people are going to make it. They're going to. They're going to. They're going to make a judgment. They're going to make. It, they're going to have a perception about you. You know what? 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 What, you, what we do as Christians? I used to, long time ago, and God has delivered me. On the roads, I used to have a lot of. I mean, I won't call it road rage, but I, I get to a lot of argument because today people will come from the back and they want to shunt. When they get to the easy tag or they get to the traffic line, but light of the world should not be quarreling on the street, so I don't do that anymore. But if I come down on the street and I begin to fight, what are you going to think about me? So our actions really radiate who we are. And I mean, there's a Bible passage, please can we read it? Romans 14 6. Sometimes we're doing, we're trying to do what is good. Can you put it up, please? My next slide. Let not, let not then your good, your good deed be evil spoken of. So sometimes, whatever that we do, we, I mean, people will come in contact from, from our actions. So we, sh we, we must ensure, when this guy said this thing, I'm saying, well, it's in the Bible. That's what we're told in the Bible. What, what, I mean, how, how do we, what do we do with people when we in contact with people? Our actions, the things we're doing. So, I mean, what, what does this say? Before the, before the recession, three, four years, well, two, three years ago, and prior to that as well, in between, um, I had like maybe 40 engineers walking through two people before getting to me. And I'm not kidding you. Every two weeks, these guys contribute money together and they bring all kinds of people. They go to the beach and they send emails among themselves. But the truth of the matter was, is that not only they are fearful that they don't want me to know, but they felt that, which is probably inappropriate, although in my heart, I, they felt that if I knew, I would judge them based on that. Even their performance, I would feel they are not serious people. So that means they know that their actions, were not, they're not doing the right thing. But they know that I'm not going to support you. Most of them are married people, but on weekends, they contribute money and they go to the beach and they bring all kinds of people. So if, we, if you see those kind of things and we condone it indirectly, we're being part of it. But when you see those, of the, those kind of things, even in a corporate society that is not your responsibility, but the ones that you are close to, they know your stand. They will hide it away from you. And when you find out, I mean, without 
crossing their, their lines, we need to let them know. So that's one of the first things he said. The second thing he said is that how we look. Now, um, everything is in moderation. Everything is in moderation. The Bible says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, here's the question. Yeah, I mean, what, the way we look like and all that, it doesn't matter. But we are created in the image of God. So the way we appear, there's a lot of crappy videos going around on WhatsApp. There was one I saw. I mean, I hardly go to them. I went to this one. Maybe I was bored. And it was at the airport. And a guy saw a lady and started harassing the lady and said, you're a prostitute. And the lady said, no, I'm not. Say you're a prostitute. Why are you dressed like this? So the question is, the way we, the way we appear to people makes a lot of difference. Our appearance is important. People should see us and see the regression of Jesus Christ in us. Not only in church, but even outside. You know, both for men and women. The way we dress, the way we appear to people. We are representing God. We are in the image of God. If people see us, will they see that? Just looking at you, can somebody say you are a child of God? Of course, you don't have to tie your head or tie a scarf. But you can go the other extreme and they will say, well, if this one is a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. That's the second thing that Dale said. The third thing he said is what we say. You know, does our words bring comfort to people? You know, does our words bring comfort to people or it brings sorrow? Or, I mean, what does, the, the kind of things we say, what does, what does it, what, how does it affect people? Because as light of the world, our interaction with people involves interaction and speaking. Thank God last week, last week Wednesday, we were taught about, you know, our tongues, how we use our tongues. Some people, as, I mean, as Pastor Dan said, when you leave their presence, so corrosive that you don't want to go back anymore. But as light of the world, we can't do that. We're going to meet people. In fact, there's, there's, silence is golden. Naturally, I'm not a very quiet and silent. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't keep quiet when I see things I say. But sometimes, it's just good to keep quiet, even when you have an opinion. And you know that what you're going to say out will not make any sense. Silence is golden. So, what we say, people will judge us and evaluate us and determine if they're going to follow the God that we follow or they're going to, if they're going to glorify the God that we, we serve or they're going to say other things to the God that we serve. How do we represent our God? And the fourth thing he said is, um, okay, we can read Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, when something is seasoned with salt, what does it come to be? Sweet. Right? Sweet. People should hear us and be happy. And, and I mean, no, you can, you can chastise people, but you don't have to condemn them in a way that will make, I mean, will make them, that's, that's because we're light and we're salt of the world. Praise the Lord. And finally, how we say it. What we say and how we say it. I mean, some people can scream from now to tomorrow. I grew up with, you know, when you do something bad, when you do something wrong, when my mother tells you here, somebody that is in a job bus stop might hear it. So since I've been married, one of the things I cannot stand is if you scream, it's not going to happen. So I can't live that life twice. So, thank God I don't get screamed. <laughs> so, I mean, how do we say the things we say? How do we say it? That is how, as light, as we, we, we interact with people. Praise the Lord. Any question? So, we're going to the second stage, which is journey. John, we said before that journey means to travel from one place to the other. Quickly, we're going to ask the questions, and I need one or two people to answer. What do we understand as being on a journey? If we say we are on a journey, what do we understand that to mean? Anybody? As Christians, we're on a journey to this world. What does it mean? Yeah, somebody here, please. Anybody else? Come again, please. Okay, but somebody put up. Children. Look at that person there, please. 
um, when we say that we're on a journey as Christians, me translates to earth is not my destination. This world is not my destination. So whatever I'm doing is adding up to like um, miles when you travel and you have miles you know, added to you. you know, I'm going somewhere. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you. A round of applause for Jesus. She got, she got her right. As Christians, the reality of the matter is that we're here only on a, for a temporary period of time. That's the, rea that's the reality of our lives. And we cannot deny that. That's what it means to be on the journey. At the, at the, at the end of the um, God is More Than You Know, fantastic series by Pastor, you know, taught us God is More Than, more than You Know for our spiritual needs, More Than You Know for our physical needs, and all that. But the closing part of the last one on part six, the last part of that teaching, you know, the last part of that sermon, when I listened to it that day, I just felt like leaving the church, go to, the, go to work the following day, quit, take whatever they're going to pay me, give it to my wife, and say, do whatever you want, bring up the children, and every morning when I wake up, I go to a jam market, I distribute tracks, I go to Oyibo, I distribute card, that's exactly, and I struggle with it for, for weeks. Please, bring up that video. Thank you. It's because we know that we have a home in heaven that makes us forbear, forgive, love, invite, compel, persuade. It's because of eternity. It's because of that view. There's a story of a lady, Florence Chadwick. She's the first woman to swim the English Channel in history. And she decided to swim from Catalina Highland in the shore of California to California. Now, that distance is about 34 kilometers of the Pacific Ocean. A woman swimming 34 kilometers of the Pacific Ocean. After swimming for 16 hours in the cold water, her bones were shaking. She said she couldn't continue anymore. And it was foggy. It was really foggy. So she couldn't even see where she was going. Obviously, they would be falling out with the boat. So she said she couldn't continue anymore. So she gave up and she climbed on the boat. She climbed on the boat only for her to discover that she was only two kilometers away from the shore. She had swam 32 kilometers. She was only two kilometers. But because she couldn't see the shore. So obviously she was sad. And a few years passed and she came and she said she wanted to swim it again. And she swam it and got to the shore of California in record time. And during the interview, they were asking her, when you got to that 32nd kilometer mark, didn't you feel the way you felt? She says she felt exactly the same way. Her bones were giving up. Her fingers were all numb. She says, but I kept the picture of the shore before me. I knew it was just two kilometers away. I knew that this is how it looks like. And I kept the picture before me. And she finished in record time. David is saying to you and I, I keep the picture of my house in heaven before me. So I don't give up. I will have, you will have opportunities to give up. You will have opportunities to back down. If you keep in mind how much God loves you and you allow goodness and mercy to keep you going until you see Jesus in glory, you will make it. Even though your circumstances are hard, you will discover that your God is good. And like that woman, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I have an eternal view forever. Praise the Lord.
That is what it means to be on a journey. That's the reality of our journey. That's what Pastor said shortly in that, um, in that, in that, in that short video. The reality of the matter, of the fact is that we're here temporarily as light. And we're going to go back. Quickly. Number one about journey. We're citizens of heaven. Philippians 8, 320. We're not going to read that because of our time. But we can go, we can go, and go. It's, it's, on the, it's on the screen. But our citizenship is, is in heaven. And we're eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. So we're only here temporarily as a light on a journey. We should live our lives like ambassadors that we are. I think we need to read this one. John 14, 1 to 2. John 14, 1 to 2. Please go back one, one slide. John 14, 1 to 2. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. It's a given that we're a light on a journey. We must work hard to return to the light that beget us and, and, no, and not the other choice, which is darkness. There are two choices when we leave the world. It's that we go to the light, Lord Jesus Christ that beget us, or the darkness. Which is, the, which is the devil in the pit of hell. We have choices. Those are the two choices. It's A or B. There's nothing in between. Second thing, salvation is our passport. Without which we can't travel. When you move from one, when you go from boundaries, from country to country, you need a passport. You need, a rec, you need an identity recognition. And that identity recognition that we have is our salvation. Guiding our salvation jealously is the only guarantee of our travel to the source of our light. And the truth of the matter is that we're on a journey that we don't know the return date. When somebody's on a journey, there'll be a lot of things that will come around you. But as Pastor said, the focus for the fact that you're going to go back home. It's like going to an hotel room. If the, if the air condition is not working light or they don't have light, you're not going to go and buy a generator. So when people keep billions on earth without doing things for kingdom, just wonder. They're going to go away and it's going to be, people are going to be fighting over it. It's going to destroy life. The Bible says we should live inheritance. But how, that inheritance includes living the light of God for our children. Because they don't have the light of God, they will fight over it. A prominent lawyer that died in this country, his kids are still fighting over his inheritance. It will destroy them. And there's so many things we can talk about journey. The Bible likens us, number three, likens us to a, soldier, to a soldier. When you see a soldier traveling, if a soldier is traveling, they're going to be focused on what they are doing. That's why the Bible likens us to a soldier. Number three, please pull it up. So our focus should be like, you know, we're on a journey and we're going back home. That should be our focus in all that we do, in everything we do, in all our interaction. That should be in our mind all the time. And when things are not going our way, we can persevere, as Pastor said, because we know that there's a place we're going back to. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for they can for for them they cannot please the officer the officer who enlisted them. When we're in school, it's a common thing, very common for some of us to be to be called names. Some, of, some people are called names. They call them Efiko. That means you are too serious with your books. Some of us were called Ungbono. It's too hot. And they call you all kind of names. But the truth of the matter is that most of the Efikos that you know, most of them, by the grace of God, we had that teaching before. Our, our Ecclesia is not the fastest, it's not the sweet, but that always wins, that always wins the race. But most of them, they win the race. Most of the Efikos that you knew in school, most of them, 
are doing well. A few of the non-Ephicos are not going to be doing as well. So we call names. But some of us refuse to back down and we face what we went to just to do. It's a, it's a very little example compared to where, where in the world. They're going to be called names. They're your fanatics. It's only you. I mean, that's how they do it here. But we shouldn't join them. Finally, I'd like to close with this short story. Now, I'm going to do, I'm going to say, uh, what's it called? I'm going to uh, say something ahead of time. With all sense of humility, I'm not taking any glory for anything. I'm not saying it's because of what we did that made it happen. Nothing like that. Let's put that on record. But when I finished, my, when I finished university in 2004, and I was serving in Lagos, I joined the, I joined the, um, the road safety corps of arm of the NYC. So during my extra, during my community service, you know, every one day of the week, you go and do community service. What I chose to do was to serve with road safety. But they, they left us alone. They gave us, I mean, that yellow stuff that you have, they gave it to us at that time. So every Wednesday from 8 o'clock to like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we'll go to a place they call Alagomeji. I don't know if you know, a lot of you know where they call Alagomeji. If you are traveling from Anabatmakoli Road, it's the last four-way junction that you get to before you get to Jibo. To your right, on the way to Jibo, goes to Unilag. To your left, goes back to Yaba area. But what makes that junction very funny is that you have a dual carriage that on, both si on one side of the road, cars are going back and forth together, and one side is one way, but the other side is not one way. It's not one way, but that's not the story. The story was that prior to that, a year prior to that, I was working in Shell as an intern, and I was doing my youth service. And somebody was driving a car. A lot of us who know that car. It's called Amazon. It's like Jetta, you know, same type. And he, he, so we're working on a land location, but you drive far away. And he drove, and overnight, he had an accident. And he fell into a ditch, and the car went upside down. He was in a ditch. But his seatbelt, because it was compulsory at that time to wear your seatbelt, 2004, I mean, I said 2004, 1994. It was compulsory to wear seatbelt. We are driving a shell car. He was hanging on his seatbelt till morning when they found him. And that was the only reason he didn't drop down into the ditch. Because the, the glasses were broken and all that. So when I saw that, and I was doing my youth service, that was one of the things that drove me to go and join road safety. And we would go to Dala Gomeji. We printed flyers. We told police that wearing seatbelts was, you know, it has to be a part of life. Of course, people were cursing us. People were screaming and yelling. Your father, you know, they, they said all kinds of things, you know. But we tried to sow a seed. I'm not saying that's what generated to where we are today. But by the grace of God today, everyone in Lagos, at least if you sit in front of the vehicle, they're wearing their seat belts. So what I'm saying is, we're not taking any glory. We did that, a few of us at that time, talked to police and all that, but people didn't believe it. So what am I saying? Sometimes if you want to be light, you're going to be alone. You're going to act alone. If you want to be light, it's not going to be popular, but you're going to stand apart. Like the priest, the pesky pastor, priest, Valentino, sometimes you need to stand alone. Praise the Lord. Well, a few minutes after our time, questions? Questions? Anybody? Pastor is not here today, so you have to, you have to take it easy with me. Anybody? So we understand that we're light on the journey. Anyone? Fantastic. Praise the Lord. Please, commitment. Put up the commitment. Commitment. Are we continuing to remain focused on my temporary journey in this world as light? And no distraction would derail my earthly destiny and my heavenly citizenship. You can bring it backward so that people can see it. Before I leave the stage, we've talked about being on a light and being on a journey. Can we please bow down our head and close our eyes? If you are here tonight and you don't even know what we're talking about, that you're not even sure that this 
light that we have been declared that we are light and that we are on a journey and there's a place to go back to. And you want to say, I want to know that Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of these people that are lights of the world and on a journey. Please show by show of hand. If you know you're here tonight, you want to give your life to Christ, that you don't know this God that we're talking about. Because for sure, no man knows the time. But everyone has that you know, we'll get the opportunity. It's not an opportunity. It's a mandatory opportunity to go back to where we are from. Father, we thank you because forever you are Lord, dear God. We give you praise. Thank you for your help. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.